Welcome to episode 7 of the podcast, How Public Works. I'm your host, Ilmar Simonovskis. This is a podcast about how government and society interact and where you as a citizen can be informed and find a place where you can engage and transform our society together. Today, we are with Jose Torco, who is a civil engineer with a master's degree in civil engineering. Jose grew up in Spain, and if it wasn't for an insightful moment about his life many years ago, he may still have remained there to this day. In a recent conversation with Jose, he said something that really resonated with me where I wanted to learn more about this man and how he sees our world. I didn't set out to save the planet. I first wanted to save myself. Jose has a keen interest in the emotional connections and narratives around water in public spaces, which sets him apart from traditional engineers. He approaches technical projects with a focus on deep community engagement, employing tools like exploratory walks and storytelling. His technical background allows him to build trust with technicians and become the bridge between communities and institutions. After several years working in watershed-based organizations and engineering offices, in 2019, Jose decided to launch his own practice. His work supports the global movement towards sustainable communities using water as a lens through which he sees and connects with our communities. This is the story about how Jose discovered his place in society by first discovering who he was as a person. And although the journey has really only just begun, Jose has already lived a life many of us can only dream of. From his early education and transition into an engineering career in Spain, Jose has since found himself in Mexico, Egypt, Netherlands, Nicaragua, and most recently Toronto. So welcome, Jose. Thank you, Ilmar. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So you were originally from Spain and studied civil engineering there. As you started out in your career path, can you talk about what your future initially looked like and when you started in consulting? Yeah, so I finished my my bachelor in 2008 and it was just in the midst of the the financial crisis. It was about to come and and but still at that time uh when all my colleagues and, and myself when when we finished school the the normal thing to do was just go to work for a engineering office or for a construction company and and just work in infrastructure and actually that's what I did for two years and a half um, since I, I finished school and just went to, to work for a really small consulting firm for for two years and a half there next to my hometown and what happened that uh, that changed your view on that I I really loved that first job because it was such a small company, three people plus myself, four people in, in total. And we used to do a small infrastructure projects, but from the from the beginning to the end, we literally had to print the projects ourselves and bring them to the to the client to the or to the municipality. So from the kickoff to the end. So for a young professional, that was like a dream because. I got to see the full the full process. Got to be in meetings that I could have never dreamed of a year a year before. But and and I think there was a, a possibility to stay there and, and kind of grow my career. But I don't know. I felt that I was missing missing something. Um, and I also felt that that it it, it could be. Too comfortable, like okay, I, I'm gonna stay here, and is this? And I saw some colleagues like that after 45 years they stay in the same job, and I, yeah, I didn't see 
really that, that was the best the best possible scenario and combined with uh, obviously a not great uh, atmosphere in the country I, I still had a job but whenever you read the news there was always like bad news about the the, the, the economy and people losing their jobs and I mean worldwide it was like a really a, a big crash so I thought you know you don't you know what I, I I'm gonna try something else and and I want to explore a little bit more yeah well, on your website, you have a very interesting quote uh, from Brian Eno, and I'll just read it. I moved away from the idea of being an architect, meaning as somebody who carries a full picture of the final work, to gardener, somebody who plants seeds and watches them grow. And I tell you, Jose, I find this perspective really resonates with me as well, whether it relates to my work or the people around me or my own personal development. Can you tell me what this quote means for you and how your life has been shaped by this view? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think that at least I my career has been so far it's been a lot of unlearning. Um, when I went to school in, as I said, 2000, 2005 to two thousand and eight in my bachelor's and then later in my master's. Uh, we we were taught that you know the engineer is this person who has like the full vision and and knows what needs to happen and the rest of the the play the stakeholders the players in, in the process are just a burden it's something that you have to kind of avoid or work with to get your vision implemented that's kind of what we got through the class all these master classes with people who have been designing bridges and dams for 50 years and and so obviously you go out of the school and you have all this big self-esteem saying oh I made it I, I went through all of this and I I passed all the exams and, and now I, I have all this superpower <laughs> uh, and then I realized like it's really just the opposite um, I realized that I don't I never had and I still don't have it, and I, I probably will never have it, the full vision of the project. And if you have it, it's, it's wrong because uh, it's, you are imposing something. It has to be co-created, and it has to come from the from the bottom up. So instead of pretending that I know and say, pretending I'm smart enough to know how to solve this water issue or this transportation issue or whatever it is, I, I prefer to be honest and say, I don't know it, but to be honest, no one does it. Even the city doesn't know it. Otherwise, they would they would have done it before. So let's be clear. I, I have a skill set. I have experience. But so everybody else in the table have their own lived experience and their own skill sets and imagination. And why don't we just throw our seeds? I bring mine. You bring you bring yours, and we try to nurture the garden together. And and I think the gardening part um, is is a beautiful metaphor because. It's really organic like things grow in different shapes and in different heights and some of the seeds will never succeed some of them will uh, but but acknowledging that that it's been a big part of, of my own learning process and and learning that engineers don't don't know everything but also learning that the community really is the key player in, in all of this well, and, you know, and I like that, Jose, when you describe, you know, the experience of university and that sense of I have it and then realizing that we really don't in the end, right? We have enough to start. And then the unlearning or relearning and that willingness to be open and, 
you know, not many engineers will start out and say, I don't know the answer. Like that's not a common response in, in the engineering fraternity, is it? it? It It's not. And I think for me, it, it didn't come natural. Uh, when the first, you try to, to fake it uh, because especially when you are starting your career and you see that people in the table, they, they seem to know it and, and to have it. And, and they're like, they, it feels like they they have the answers and, and you don't, but you feel it's a matter of time. You feel like, okay, in 20 years, I will have the answers. The, the reality is that you will never have them because the, pro- the problems are new uh, and they don't have them either. So it, I didn't, it didn't happen to me naturally. It was just a matter of over time realizing that never the, the answer never never came it's it's just part of 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 the way we need to work it's working with uncertainty and, and knowing that there are a lot of unknowns and we have to work around them so it came to me i it, it's once you realize once you realize that then you are able to to accept it i think also makes makes things easier because you don't feel that huge weight of going to a community and say, yeah, don't worry, I have it. I will, I will fix all your problems. Um, no, I mean, that's that's a recipe for failure, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, your current activity, too, is, is I think, symbolic of this, this notion of gardening. You know, you're with this organization called Rainscape in Toronto, uh, and it works to transform stormwater management as its source or at its source. By working with uh, aware homeowners, Rainscape builds rainwater harvesting and rain garden features designed to reduce runoff and in a real way increase urban sustainability at the source. And I'm going to actually ask this in two parts because um, when you first came to Toronto, and we'll talk more about your journey to Toronto, but you actually started with a job at the Toronto Region Conservation Authority, which is really a watershed management organization. But I want to also know about that experience and then how that led you into Rainscape and your current role at Rainscape and what that means to you. Um, my first job here in, in Canada, in Toronto, was, yeah, as you said, with the TRCA. And I, I really loved and I still love the what that specific team of, of the TRCA does. I was part of the Sustainable Neighborhoods team. It's also called SNAP. And the concept is... Um, they go to different communities in the GTA and they, with the community, uh, businesses, officials, elected officials, they co-create master action plans, climate change action plans, but they're customized. So I think at, at the point I was working there, there were six neighborhoods and each of the six action plans were totally different because they were different communities. So it was really exciting. It was innovate, innovative and it was... It, it really, it also um, made me realize that that I like to work with the three pillars of sustainability, uh, and just realizing that we can really tackle environmental isolate isolated from social and from economic. It doesn't work. It will never work. Um, so it was a great experience, and and gave me so much. Um, so much exposure to other initiatives, to how municipal government works here in, in, in the GTA and, and all the different players in the sector. Uh, and after three years and a half, I decided to, to quit and, 
and the main reason for that was that I needed a change and and um, there was kind of a contradiction because I was trying to 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 persuade people to take action in the neighborhoods and and to be to live more sustainable lives but but in the meantime I had to I have a commute a commute of an hour and a half to Vaughn and I was working in a parking lot next to Ikea so um, it was really destroying my soul and I, I thought I, I can't really help anyone unless I help myself and and I reconnect with my own my own neighborhood and my own community so um, I left that job and and I had a long a long process of uh, reflecting and, and trying to learn what I wanted to do and I, I applied to jobs but to jobs but then I realized that I didn't really want them and I, I stopped for a while and and it's when I started to look inside and look inwards and say okay what, what do you really what do I want to do with my life and also at that time I have tried everything I tried I had tried working for a small office in the private sector I had tried working for a big uh, public sector office I had tried international development and nothing really seemed to fit me and and I, I, I had even I was questioning if, if it was the sector maybe I, I, I had to do something else um, and this opportunity to work for Rainscape TO came uh, came up and uh, through Helen Mills and and since and that was in uh, spring 2019 like last year and yeah I mean that that really changed everything that really changed the way I see myself my career and even the the possibilities for for a future for a more sustainable future yeah. and and so can you talk a little bit more about rainscape to and 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 how it works so you've been there for this is your second i guess your second season mm-hmm. And so what's the business model? You know, what is the, the need that you're fulfilling in the community? And, and yeah, and talk more about that sustainability and what, you know, how you feel that you're bringing a more sustainable, um, community alive. I think it's, it's, it's just almost too good to be true. I remember we had a workshop last year with a marketing consultant. She's also a friend of us and, and she offered to give us, um, advice on how to market Rainscape TO. Uh, we had a workshop with all the team members and, and partners and and one of her comments was that you have so many good things that you have to pick how to really define your, your business because it's like almost too good to be true. There are so many and and I I do think so. I mean uh, I'm I'm obviously biased but but um I always say that from the outside, we look like a regular landscaping company. Uh, we have, we design, build, and maintain gardens. Uh, but from the inside, we couldn't be more different. Um, for different reasons. One is we focused on eco-landscaping. Uh, it can also be called green infrastructure or rain gardens, pollinator gardens. We work with native plants. We, we try to restore the ecosystems uh, that we have badly damaged with our uh, land use and urban development. Um, so obviously it has all these positive effects on the ecosystem, but also on the watershed and even in, in the municipal infrastructure because we are offsetting some of the runoff and all these things. But that's one of the differences uh, because eco-landscaping is not that frequent if you compare it to the overall 
industry. We are a really small section of the market. But but also what makes us really, really different is, is that we are a social enterprise. So in addition to having our economic target, which is revenue and, and being uh, being able to run as a business, we also have environmental, obviously, because we, we track our impact. But we also have social social targets that we have to report to and in our case it's providing an employment meaningful employment to to indigenous youth and and that's a really really key part of the enterprise and is is one of the parts that really i feel more connected to uh because it's it's just such a beautiful fit and such a natural fit and i i I still don't understand how how is it possible? Uh, so I read a few months ago, I don't know if it has changed, but there was only one indigenous landscape architect re- register in, in Ontario. Um, and if you think of a culture that has been looking after the land for millennia and they have been living such a close connection and and relying on each other and now we can't even allow them to, to carry on and, and to be part of the of the people who decide how we manage the landscape or how we try to restore the landscape, it, it, it blows my mind. So having this theme that uh, emerging professionals we bring, who bring a lot of knowledge from their their own community, they bring a lot of energy, they bring a really strong connection to the land. Uh, it, it just makes the full picture uh, it's, it's like a whole, it's, it's an integrated approach uh, because we have this, this beautiful product. It looks great. It, it works really well with the environment, with the pollinators, bees, butterflies, but also provides employment uh, opportunities, creates revenue that allows us to keep running and to, and to keep, to keep uh, greening the city. So it's like a, almost like a perfect um, <laughs> enterprise, I would say. It's winning all around. Mm-hmm. So so let me ask you then, with that experience, and this is your, I guess your second season is coming to an end shortly as we move into the fall season. Um, I, I want to, you know, hear a, a personal story on on how you've seen, you know, the, uh, the people that work for the organization that work with you that, that are, that are part of your service and how you watched them transform and, and essentially grow in their journey as well. Like, what does that do for you? And, you know, what, you know, h- how obvious and how rewarding is that for you? Um, is it, it, it has changed my life in so many ways. And I, first, I, I really think, a lot about whether it was it was good for me to take on uh, the, the, this position in the enterprise because obviously it's almost replicating the same uh, colonial structures. I'm, I'm a white European and I'm, I'm going to be uh, leading an enterprise with with indigenous youth and mm-hmm. I, I'm obviously I've done my own homework and and thanks also to my partner who is sees she gave me so much so many materials and so much uh stuff to learn about the the relationships in canada and so many books and so i did my homework but still i'm a white white european so i they the first thing they did they invited me to like um a staff party with like a pizza at the center for social innovation innovation a, a pizza night and and i wasn't a member yet i was just supporting them with some designs and some 
uh, advisory committee, uh, part of the advisory committee. And when they invited me to the pizza bar, yeah, already Helen had told me and, and Paula Messina, they told me, hey, we are going to be looking for a, for a manager and hey, you can apply, think about it and all of that. And, mm-hmm. and I did ask, there was a group and uh, of the previous participants wrapping up the season and I did ask them, how would you feel if someone like me, who is obviously non-indigenous, uh, could it was was to be part of the enterprise? How how that will work? And at that in that table, there was someone who uh, she she was a participant, but she was also the ma the mother of one of the participants. And so it was the elders' perspective. And she told me she looked around the table and she said. No, it's a matter of respect, and you are also indigenous. Uh, you're indigenous from your own place, from your mm-hmm. own land, mm-hmm. and you come here with uh, an open mind, and you are respectful, and you you want to work with us uh, towards creating some like something beautiful and something that respects our ways of being. You will be accepted. That that wouldn't be a that will never be a problem, and. And since then, obviously, I, I'm always aware of, of, of the power dynamics and, and trying not to replicate any of the horrible systemic racism or all of that. But uh, what I've seen is that um, we, we have young emerging professionals who haven't had a chance. Some of them don't even, didn't even have any guiding experience, but a few of them, after one season with us, they realize that it's a career they want to continue, and they stay with us, and they grow their their role. and And it's just amazing to see how how that changed their lives, and how they feel they have a career path, and how they feel that also how they how proud they are when they talk to clients and say, "Yeah, you know, the golden road we use like this or this other plant that people feel is it's a weed, it's not a weed." We, um, we if if it's this this purpose and so it's just amazing just I just step back and see how they share the knowledge and and it just is again you just plant the seeds and and the seeds and see them grow in, in this case they just it's just a chance to be themselves and 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 obviously you see huge development well and and that's you know that is really it is inspiring because yeah again it's like it's like gardening gardening human potential right you're giving people opportunity and that's that's that is incredibly noble and then how do the clients that work for you i mean you're you're in toronto you're arguably working with clients that are that are you know really part of that colonial history you know the you know, there's a lot of very, um, you know, elaborate uh, properties in the city. And uh, so how do you find your clients and, and how do you, you know, how do you, is there a screening or is there, because you, I'm assuming you want to have clients that also energetically align with, with the goals of Rainscape. I mean, it's like you said, it's not just a landscaping company. There's so much more to it. So how does that process work for you? Finding the clients, working with clients and seeing their transformation as well. Yeah, it's a great question, and and to be honest, we we never had to do a screening. We never had to to well, maybe sometimes, but it's not the, the most frequent case. I think I don't know if it's the way we describe ourselves or the, or the way they they perceive us. But when our clients, I would say, 
90% of them already come with that new mindset. They they are aware of of the the power structures and and they see this as an opportunity to to break them and to provide other opportunities. Um, some of them, others just want to have a nice garden and, and we for sure make that happen. Uh, and sometimes I'm sure some of them don't even know that we are social enterprise. And for me, I, I sometimes don't bother to to tap into that that narrative because maybe they don't even care and, and that's fine. I mean, we are business uh, as well. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's deliver the product, do a good service and, and obviously have a good experience for our, for our team. Uh, but but I would say that's that's a minimal part. I think most of our clients already come with that. They are already in that wavelength. They they want to know more about native plants. They they want to provide employment opportunities and and they know that uh, they are doing something sustainable. So also the fact that for example we don't do any like lawn installation or, or maintenance or we don't um, we. I think it's it almost comes hand hand by hand. Um, if someone is looking to r- removing their lawn and replace it by a metal native garden, I think something already there is it's it's kind of an, a new framework and it, it comes with the sustainability mindset, but also um, decolonizing our economy and 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 creating basically. A new green economy. So it's it's really strongly aligned. It, it's amazing uh, how I'm. I'm still. I, I find it really easy. I never feel that I have to convince anyone of why are we doing this or why it's important. I think they already come like uh, really aware. Nice. And that. And that, you know, I think that just goes right back to some of your earlier comments around you know, finding that right role in society and feeling connected and satisfied. And it sounds like this you know, this enterprise is something that really resonates for where you are. And, you know, and, and where you are has been a long journey. I mean, you've come, you've come through some very interesting global transitions, you know, through, through both space and time through a recession and, you know, learning different cultures. And, you know, for the short time that I've known you, I feel I know you as an adventurer and explorer of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you allow yourself to be vulnerable and are willing to take risks in your journey to find yourself. Yet for someone who does not know you, and as you travel and live in new places and communities, you know, they can easily label you as an immigrant or outsider to the local community. Uh, it's an interesting journey and one that I, like many Canadians, have not experienced. But immigration is a huge aspect of Ontario's growth plans for the GTA, and as it is in many communities around the world. Mm-hmm. So our society and economic engine is fueled by growth, and until that model changes, immigration is vital to the economic viability of this region. Now you have thrived in this journey, and your view on this is very insightful, I think, for those that are listening. So what is it about how you see yourself in your world that you can share with other newcomers to help them flourish like you have? Uh, well, I'll kind of to start with, you know, that thing of being an at, at adventurer or a, or a traveler, mm-hmm. I, I think it has to do <clears throat> a lot with how we, <clears throat> sorry, how we, cost, how we build our own narratives. But in practice, I, I, I didn't travel at all for most of my life. I, I lived in, my, in a really small town in Spain where I'm from until I was 21. So... For 21 years, 
I was basically living in a small town, 1,500 inhabitants, and just going to university to the next town and going. So it was a really local life, and, and for me, it was I, I really loved it. Uh, so all of this more, like, trying new things, and it, it happened, I don't know how, it happened naturally, and, I, and it was never planned, and it was never even part of my my set of values i think it, it just happened and i embraced it but but also to kind of demythify this idea of the global citizen or or someone who no i mean it just happened and i i was in one part and then they offered something and i went to another part and and it, it just it was organic it was never part of my it was never a plan it just happened but in terms of my experience here in toronto um I still find surprising that such a, a a region that depends so much on 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 attracting uh, newcomers, immigrants. Uh, I don't know whatever is the term now, and I'm myself an immigrant, obviously, or a migrant. Uh, I'm surprised that there is so little in terms of um, kind of a, a more structured way to engage with these new communities. And I'm not an expert on the field, but and I'm I'm also recognized that I'm I'm privileged by the fact that I have high education. I'm white and I'm I'm European. So my 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 process has nothing to do with, for example, my partners who is a person of color and and see a female, or probably with someone who comes like from somewhere else. So based on my framework, even though I'm white and European, I was surprised by how hard it's, for example, get to get to access the the engineering industry if you don't have a Canadian degree or you don't have a Canadian experience. And it's kind of this cycle where you can't even land on an on a internship without Canadian experience, but how do you get the Canadian experience without an internship? And you're in this cycle of... Uh, and uh, and it's, it's really... It, it, it becomes almost like a... Like a like a mental health issue for out of newcomers because uh, I've talked to a lot of them uh, and uh, to a lot of them through a mentorship program that, that I participated and now co-organize and it's you are sending resumes to with this amazing experience and no one gets back to you and you never understand why until mm-hmm. you have a chance to have coffee with someone who explains you how things work and but it's really informal is really unstructured is really so if you don't get that inside you might spend years just applying applying to jobs or just what happens with a lot of people who give up and do something else so with you then with, with your opportunity how was there something that happened in your experience coming to toronto that that um sort of gave you that you know gave you that um organic uh, shift or that that insight uh, you know like yeah it was a, a combination i think the biggest part probably one of the biggest was just to be uh, to be lucky enough that my partner had had gone through the same uh immigration or similar immigration process uh, a decade ago or 15 years ago so and also being being in canadian see uh, she gave me kind of this crash course on 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 do's and don'ts and uh, what 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 do you mean or what what do they mean when they tell you this and all these cultural and written rules that unless you learn how to navigate them you're gonna have a hard time so that was 
that saved me probably a lot of pain. But the second thing is that I got to, I don't really remember how, but I got to meet or to learn about this um, mentorship program that is really informal, volunteer-based, and is it is organized by the Canadian Water Resources Association, CWRA. Um, and I think someone told me, hey, why don't you sign up for it? And I did. I, I did sign up for it. And they, it's again, it's volunteer-based, but basically they match newcomers in the engineering sector or or recent graduates from whatever. can be Ontario, can be other parts of Canada, or can be other parts of the world. It doesn't matter. And, and they match both, the more experienced professional with the newcomers or, or the new graduates. And... And sometimes it's just a matter of allowing you to have a coffee, but they did they did match me with Jennifer Drake from from University of Toronto, and I remember just the first coffee I had with her. We met in the Toronto West End in in a coffee shop at um, Austin and Dundas West, and I, I almost wanted to cry because after I had been sending resumes maybe to 60, 70 different positions and not even a single response. So you start wondering, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something, maybe I'm not the right uh, candidate. And then just having coffee with her and having a, a personal connection and someone who can give you feedback or demythify things or just explain how things work, it changed everything for me because your your motivation goes up again, your mental health recovers and and you and I was part of a group of people in the same situation all these new graduates or newcomers who were always also struggling with getting their their foot on the door so for me it changed everything that mentorship program really uh, gave me the the this web this the support network that that allowed me to then uh, you know meet more people, understand better the sector. And and I guess the other thing that really gave me a lot of traction was that I met Helen Mills, who also happened to, you know, lead Lost Rivers TO, but also Rainscape TO, like all these different initiatives. And I met her in a walk in the neighborhood, uh, talking about Lost Rivers. And when, when we finished the... And I never done anything similar, I even thought about it. And when we they finished the walk, I went and said, well, I mean, I, I want to know more about this and I want to to volunteer with you guys because this is this is really amazing. So all these pieces came together finally, but but now it feels like it was a week, but in practice it, it was so many months of not really knowing what was, go- what, what was going to happen and if I was going to be able even to stay because, I mean, if you don't have a job in this expensive city, I don't think you can really uh, stay. So... Now I feel teacher, but I remember having a really hard time at it, uh, during these months. And it sounds like this is something that you've experienced maybe in differing degrees or in differing, differing forms. Because, you know, when I look at your your accomplishments, I mean, you have, you know, things that you've done in Toronto since your time here, but also, you know, in other communities around the world. And, uh, you know, is there is there anything that you want to share from an experience perspective in any of the projects that you've, you know, participated in, uh, in other communities, and what what you really valued or took away as a person, as an individual, or as a professional in in basically jumping on a plane and going to Nicaragua or 
in the Netherlands or wherever you know wherever your your opportunities taken you. Uh, yeah, I never really. I think I, I I don't think too much about these these opportunities or or I don't overthink if if I'm the right candidate or not because I, I'm sure if I did think about about it I wouldn't take the opportunity because there are so many questions and you are like questioning why why me and what what uh, what do I know and so at least I try to always be really really respectful and and learn as much as possible about the what I'm getting into because. Again, uh, we as engineers, but also as any professional or any person in the world, you, we don't want to repeat any of the problems from the past. Uh, and I mean, uh, we know we. I didn't want to be again this the the engineer who, for example, uh, the Spanish had or the or the British Empire had when. The first thing they did when they went to a country was to get engineers to tame the rivers and build dams and to control the the colonized country. So I don't want to be again this person who goes somewhere to teach them uh, because I don't think I have anything to teach. But I wanted to literally listen and offer myself as as a pair of hands. Okay, I'm here. I I have this again this skill set, uh, skill set, and then I am. I'm open to to put my time and my energy into to work with you. So I think that that's been always key, recognizing that uh, the the power dynamics and try not to replicate any any of the issues from the past or, or even from the present. Um, and really listening. I mean, everybody. I, I got to whatever I see, wherever I, whenever I go. Like last last winter, I was in Egypt for a short research project, and my first time in 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 Egypt and and you know what what they see is that when you really listen to people and you try to connect uh, to a deeper level it's it's just people trying to to do their best people trying to navigate this this fast moving environment and and trying to survive and trying to to you know to be as happy as possible so i think all of when you take a, the chance to really connect on that level things it can only go well because you are being honest and you you are trusting each other and and I think that's 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 common and I hope it's, it's gonna keep being the 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 common ingredient in in all the projects. It, you know, and it's so interesting, Jose, that you're describing that 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 humanness of of just being present and and respectful and open to what's happening around you and and you know with the with the interviews so far the this theme has actually emerged repeatedly in in all the conversations doesn't matter what the topic is so you know maybe then around that you know this this ability that you've demonstrated that you're describing of being introspective and you know asking jose what does jose want out of life like you know why am i here so you know in your journey so far what really energizes you and what makes you feel whole and that you're really finding that place that you you're meant to be it's interesting because you know for the longest time i if you if you had asked me this question to even a year and a half ago, I would be like, I don't know, I'm still trying to, and, and probably it will happen again. But for the longest part of my career, I, I I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted, or I didn't know what was my place, and and 
I had a hard time because, as I said before, when you start trying things and and you see that after two or three years you don't you don't get that energy anymore, you start wondering like maybe I have a lack of commitment or maybe it's not my sector or maybe I'm I'm uh, yeah maybe I need to change my my career or something. So I kept trying and then I realized um, that. Try to understand what was the common thread in all in all my career, and and try to identify that as the core of what I want to do for the for at least as I see my career now. Um, and there are a few things, but always it's I also always want to be part of of a movement or of what we now call community. Like we overused a little bit the word, but. A movement, a community, something that you get the group energy. Uh, and this is why I have a hard time with now all the online stuff with COVID because I don't get that energy from, from the online interaction. But movement uh, where you can, where you really take action um, and where where you are seeing that everybody is providing input, everybody at the table is, is contributing and is being honest and is... And there is, you are building something that is going to improve everybody's lives. Not only one stakeholder, but everybody kind of, at the end of the project, feel like they contributed and they take out something, they, they got something out of it and, and, and they, and they keep nurturing this, this new, this new initiative that, that they created. So I think that that's something I, I realized I always enjoyed. And also, I guess when, trying to bring people from different disciplines together. We, we always talk about how important it is to, to be interdisciplinary and collaborate, but in practice, it still doesn't happen that often. I think we are a little bit entrenched in our organizations and our silos, but whenever that happens, I, I get a lot, of, a lot of energy because there is nothing better than listening to, I don't know, a journalist or an artist or a or a doctor or, or a nurse or whoever telling you about the connection between uh, climate change and mental health or, or ecosystem restoration with, I don't know, new economies or like all these different connections that we don't make ourselves because our, our, our knowledge is limited. So all of these collaborations really give me a lot of energy and a lot of new things to nurture myself and to keep, to keep trying. Yeah. It's really nice to hear that. And, you know, when you describe, you know, the, the uh, sort of the, the, the isolation that's been the reality of COVID since March and, and even just, you know, social isolation with technology, the, pre, you know, the prevalent use of technology and, and social media. And yet here you are, you know, you have an engineering, a very specific background, uh, which can in itself create some myopia, you know, some very mm-hmm. focused views, but you seem very open to that. And, and it's, I think it's also important to mention that you're also a musician of sorts. I mean, you, you participate in that world and maybe just share a little bit of that side of you, because to me, that's just another lens of diversity and flexibility and awareness. You know, how does that feel into your life? Yeah, it's, you know, in terms of um, the how being an engineer uh, def- constrains you, or, def- or 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 when we define ourselves by our degree or all of that, I mean, 
that was me, no doubt, when I finished my 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 education, my my bachelor, but also my master's. That was me because because of all the different frameworks in place and all the social pressure and the family pressure. Like, okay, you are now an engineer, make something out of it and and mm-hmm. and and start developing your career. So if I was in Spain now, I'm pretty sure I would be working for a consulting company or an engineering office and I would be just uh, doing whatever projects. But yeah. the fact that for different reasons, personal and professional, I had to be in different contexts and especially the last the last experience moving to Canada and finding myself at the periphery for a long time. Uh, it was when I said, you know what? Uh, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm going to just drop that weight from my shoulders and yeah, I studied engineering, but I'm but I'm also so so many other things, and I have all, all these other interests like music, and and I don't want to leave that at the door when I'm doing my 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 project. It's part of me. I want to acknowledge that, and it and I'm not gonna um, leave anything behind just because of I'm an engineer. So. I think it was just a result of, of the process of moving here and, and and having been able to reflect and also having to make my my own path, my own career path after I tried everything else and and all of that not working. So it's more a consequence and music it's the same. It's been part of my life for, since since I since basically since I was a kid I in Spain, there's a strong tradition of, of music, and in a small town, there's like a band. It's just um, almost almost like a military band style it's with 40 people, but this, none, none of us was were professionals. We were like the butchers used to play the drums, the postmen used to play the the trumpet. Like All of us had our own, um, our own jobs and our own careers, but once a week, we just met to, with a, the director uh, just to rehearse and to play for, for a couple of hours. So it was part of me. And I and since then, I've been trying to 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 keep it as part of my, my, my life and also trying to see, understand why, how that informs also my, my career. Because I realized that you can learn so much about uh, how... Uh, the arts or how other disciplines can inform our our strategy to to tackle climate change and especially how to imagine other futures because we are a little stuck with with what we have and I mean it looks like scientists we we scientists and engineers can't really imagine much uh, maybe someone else can bring us a new picture and, and we can imagine our society going in a different direction so so I and I mean I'm scrapping the surface. I, I don't know I don't know what was how this could unfold, but at least I want to be open and, and try as many things as possible. And I have a, a quote from my from my partner. She said that it's kind of funny that all the urban planning offices in in Toronto just quote Jane Jacobs, <laughs> and it is totally true. I mean, you ninety percent of the website they just just this quote about what the cities can provide, blah, blah, blah. And she, she told me, you know, it's like nothing else 
there are no other sources of 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 knowledge or or inspiration. If you are an urban planner, it's Jane Jacobs. If you are a um, I don't know whatever other other professional we look at, and it's true. I mean, there we can learn from other disciplines. We don't need to be stuck in our in our box. There are, we can we can be open and, and acknowledge that. Uh, you can also have a quote from from I don't know um, some some story from from the Cree indigenous community, or you can have something from Western. Um, I know Chinese, Oriental philosophy, or whatever. It doesn't need to be this one person. Like we are all trying to mimic. Oh, and it's interesting too when you think about, you know, European culture. Um, you know, um, you know these the Asian cultures like the uh, European West, and then into India. And I mean, every culture has its its strengths and its opportunities and then north america you know historically north america as a community or as a as a colony is really quite separate from much of the old worlds of 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 asia and europe and you know it's good so good to hear you speak to the you know the ability to bring that diversity and 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 be open to to all the talents that you have and all the perspectives that you have um, maybe with that, Jose, if I asked you, and, you know, as much as you, you know, you're being so humble and modest with your experiences and talents, but if you had some advice to share with the young professionals that are coming into the workforce now, you know, considering, you know, the, the fears and anxieties with how communities and, you know, how society is shifting with, you know, self-isolation and all the other things that are pressuring our, our transition or transformation, what would you suggest to you know young professionals, young engineers coming into the workforce to to just give them a sense of peace or or, or perspective or even inspiration? Uh, if 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 they have the chance, because obviously there are personal constraints and economic, and if you have the chance to think about what you want to do before getting to the job market and and getting landing your first job, that is gonna take your energy and your time you have the chance to think and and also you have the chance to think and you and and you realize that we are probably the last generation that can change things in order to survive as, as a species in this planet they said they say that we have 10 to 12 years left to to drastically change the way we live and the way yeah the way we live in this planet uh, I, I will encourage whoever is able to uh, to reflect about that and say, okay, do I want to spend the rest of my life working to increase the the shareholder value of, of a random group of, of billionaires or, or or tweaking the Amazon algorithm so they sell more TVs or do I really want to save the planet and 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 leave a better future for 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 my children and my grandchildren and if they have the chance I, I hope mm-hmm. they, they decide that they they want to put their energy because I mean all generations have to deal with 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 the war or they deal with um, um, big challenges or, or big venture like going to the moon or and I feel that there is not enough enough um, awareness or enough attention put by the government on 
how much talent we need, how many people we need on board to to tackle climate change. I, I wish when when I was in the school, the the engineering companies just used to come to give us talks and, and recruit people right right at, at the class. I wish the government was now going to all every single uh, college and university and any public institution and say, if you are about to finish and you are so talented, think about this opportunity to to work on redefining our basically our entire system, economic, financial, environmental, you name it. And I wish people we, we put all that attention to to that being probably the most important job you can do nowadays. Because it's 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 cross cutting to obviously all the social social justice and all the economic struggles of, of our time. So I th- I wish the new generations could could choose to work on that instead of something less less important. That's very insightful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and you know, and, and in a way, that's that's almost a call to action to our youth and our our new graduates coming into society. Uh, and on that line, I mean, I'd like to ask you too, maybe a call to action for maybe two other groups. Uh, you know, sort of our general citizen population, you know, the people that are in the community every day that are, you know, living their lives and, and maybe not aware of all the intricacies of, you know, stormwater management and how we run our cities and the impacts we have on, on the environment. So what, what would be a call to action to our citizens? And also maybe, because a lot of support does come through our government, whether it's federal, provincial, or even the local governments, is there a call to action to those people that take space within our government organizations? So, for the for the citizens, for the overall community members, uh, I think we all have a role, obviously, because if we are redefining the way we live, we all need to change. Uh, something um i i i don't want to i don't feel like we need i don't feel like blaming is the way to move forward uh, we don't need to blame anyone we need to provide options and i don't think we are doing a good job at providing options for people to live more sustainably and this is why i think rainscape to is is such a good model because it's probably an option for whoever is redoing their backyard now they know they have this other option and they can take it or not it's up to them but they have the option um so i think we need to be we provide options and then citizens hopefully as they see more options and there's more awareness they feel that they can be they can be part of this new new movement and this this new lifestyle so um, not blaming but giving giving hope and making everybody not leaving anyone behind because um, this is not something of an elite or engineers or or chief planners or uh, key intellectuals. This is all of us need to be part of this transition and and probably a good thing you can do you are, is, is to learn more about it and learn who are the stakeholders and how you can put pressure on them to so next time there's a project they keep in mind how to make it to to make it more successful and more more sustainable um and and i guess for the municipal sector um i think more about the people who have been in power for a long time they have they they have the ability to change things but 
they they do want to they do need to ha- to want to change things and take risks. So when I talk about people, we have ten to twelve years and the new new generations to to address climate change. I mean, some of them are gonna be here also in ten to twelve years, hopefully. And so they also they have a big big role in in recognizing that we need to do things differently and. Um, Maybe if they can think a little bit less about their pension plans and a little more about what they are leaving behind, that would be that would be awesome. Uh, but but I don't know. It's maybe it's too much. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just we all are on this together, and we need not only on COVID but also on climate change. And I think we all have a role, uh, and we all need to build. A, we need to create a, a picture that that includes us uh, with, with better lifestyles and more f- fulfilled lives. Yeah, That's really, really uh, helpful. And, you know, the community and the, uh, the officials within their government organizations need to be much more aware of what's happening at, 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 the, at the ground level, right? It's not just policy, but it's, it's what people do every day. Yeah, and I, I guess everything goes. I mean, we have to... We we have to work at all the different levels. So policies are as important as the person who takes care of a community garden. Both of them, we we all need to push in the same direction. So whoever is doing policy and developing the climate change action plan for the region of whatever um, is pushing the target and making sure that we transition to a carbon neutral economy is as important as uh, making sure that the Indigenous youth have jobs. It's it's as important. It's it's pushing the right right direction. So I'm not trying to to diminish their 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 efforts. Uh, it's just that we all need to to push and keep pushing. So Jose, thank you very much for for being part of this, and I really appreciate your insights and experience and sharing. You know what you've done in your life and how that's brought value to our communities. Is there anything you'd like to say about Rainscape? How people can get a hold of you? And in and, and sort of, you know, just one last opportunity to see that anyone who needs to reach out, they know where to get you. Oh, yeah. So Rainscape, we have a beautiful website. Uh, it's it's rainscapeto.ca. And in the website, you can find more, find out about ourselves, how to contact, book a consultation and, and all of that. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So, and with that, Jose, I want to thank you so much again and take care of yourself. Thank you, Ilmar.